My mentor in graduate school, Dr. Howard Hendricks, had some classic quotes about doing what you love and loving what you do. He said, your career is what you're paid to do. Your calling is what you're made to do. He also said, my fear is not that you will fail, but that you will succeed in doing the wrong thing. This is Hans Finzel. Welcome to the Leadership Answer Man. This is a show for leaders about taking leadership to the next level. If you desire to learn to be a better leader, this podcast is for you. I promise to give you practical leadership tips you can use right away. My passion is to help you lead more effectively. Welcome to today's show, Finding Your Passion Zone at Work. We're continuing to talk about the theme of the power of passion in leadership. And today I want to explore to you how you can find, how you can sort of gauge how much you are actually working in your passion zone and also the seven deadly motives for leading. I want to begin with a pain point. Again, I always thank you for those of you who have sent me these pain points and I want to read another one to you. One of my goals in these podcasts is to scratch you where you itch and to try to offer some ointment to the pain in your leadership. I do feel your pain and I appreciate those of you who have written me. This is what this gentleman, I, I know this guy, I know where he works. He's a, he's a businessman. Uh, here's what he said. Dealing with angry people has always been hard for me. Probably going back to my father, whose disgust and resentments triggered a lot of fear and sadness in me. But in working with others, I discover a reoccurring repetitive and compulsive behavior in others when their expectations don't match their reality. They get angry, blaming, etc. And that stuff really hooks me. Of course, if they are Christian, they usually say, quote, well, I just get frustrated. I'm not really angry. More dysfunctional <laughs> BS, he says. The issue is never the issue, so I have to remember that unless they are open to some real soul-searching, the best I can do is mirror and validate their frustration or disappointment or anger. This is a very real pain point in my leadership, and I'm learning to lower my expectations of myself to fix everyone's ranting, as well as remember the historic place where it all got started. You know, that is, that's deep. It's about dealing with people who are very angry and then they blame and they make excuses and they rationalize instead of dealing directly with both the anger that's really there and where it came from. Thank you so much for sharing that with me. That's excellent. Well, we're going to continue to talk about passion in leadership. Today, I want to cover the passion zone, finding that at your work, and the seven deadly motives for leading. And let me remind you more than ever, it's important that you look at the show notes at hansfinzel.com on my blog, because I'm going to explain some diagrams that it would really be great for you to see. In my career of leadership, I've had seasons of great passion, as well as seasons of burnout. I've had great mountaintops and deep, dark valleys of despair. I think it's a normal part of the ebb and flow of leadership. If you think you can find a place of leadership or management or influence where you're always on a mountaintop, you're just kidding yourself. Because leading people really gets frustrating. Just like that pain point that I just read from that gentleman who's a friend of mine, and I happen to know he's a person of great influence who has a lot of people looking to him for leadership. And that's exactly why he deals with these people and these anger issues. 
As a young leader, I remember people flocking to hear me speak and hanging on every word and sensing the contagious energy of my vision. I felt a lot like the Pied Piper, drawing everyone around me to join my gang. But I can also tell you about the days when I lost my passion, but I kept trying to lead with my head instead of my heart. I knew it, and they knew it. Sometimes followers cannot leave leaders because their jobs are at stake. Or they don't want to leave their church even though they no longer like the pastor. So they stick around and they lose all enthusiasm for the leader of their band. You remember the photograph that Marty McFly had in the movie Back to the Future? Our family just loves the Back to the Future movies, that trilogy. I've bought it on a Blu-ray DVD and it's just a regular staple around our houses. We love at holidays when we're together to watch that. And the very first movie, Marty McFly had a picture, a photograph of his family in his back pocket. And throughout the movie, he keeps pulling that picture out. It was him and his siblings and his parents. He'd take it out and look at it and see his family members and, and himself. And all of a sudden he would see that his picture, his his body in the picture would start fading as he was messing with the history of his own family. And so he would fade away in the picture as he was screwing up the future back in the future, if you get my drift. That's how I felt when my passion ran out. I thought about that photograph. I was physically there, but emotionally gone. And I felt like I was fading away, but trapped, not really knowing what to do about it. I was there in my head, but not in my heart. Have you ever felt that way? I want to give you some great help if by any chance you feel that way. When who we are lines up with the roles we're in, then we're in a place of passion. The less overlap, the less possibility of fulfilling role in leadership. The more the two circles overlap, the better. And if you go to my show notes, you can see these circles, but I will describe them to you because you're probably walking or jogging or biking or, or listening in your car. So imagine two circles. The one on the left is you. I say the leader or whoever you are, you the person, your gifts, abilities, strengths, personalities, values, calling, drive. The other circle is the role you're in, your job, your position. And it includes followers, the culture, your responsibilities, the activities you have to do, the situation, and the history of the place. So it's two circles. And the question is, how much do they overlap? The more they overlap, the, the place of overlap is what I call the place of passion. And a person who's really working in their place of passion has a lot of overlap. And people who have very little overlap or obviously not working in their place of passion. I've also noticed that as we grow older, who we are really changes. We have different motivations in our 40s and 50s and 60s than we did in our 20s and 30s. Think about these two circles in your own situation. How much overlap is there? If there's a ton of overlap, you're living your dream. Like Doug I talked about in the last podcast. Try this exercise. Get a blank sheet of paper and draw your two circles. Think about who you are and think about the position or the job that you're doing. 
describe you. Again, it's your gifts, abilities, strengths, personalities, values, calling, your drive, and the role, the position in, that would be your uh, the followers that you work with, the culture, corporate culture, the, your responsibilities, the activities of your job, the situation, and the history. How much of who you are lines up with that position? If there's a lot of overlap, Again, you enjoy your work and you're living in your passion zone. People ask me, can I get to a place of complete conversion where the two circles become one? Is it possible for 100% conversion? I would say very rarely. If you have 75% overlap, then I'd say you're in great shape. It's really hard to find a job, especially as a leader, that always allows you to do 100% of what you love every single day. I happen to believe servant leadership requires us to do some things every day in our job that are really important but not necessarily enjoyable. Now let me tell you about another situation and another diagram I have on my show notes. Imagine the same two circles, but around those circles are these stars. And inside those stars, I've put the words interests and the word passion. And here's what happens. Sometimes we find ourselves in a place where what we enjoy most is completely outside of our current job. I have a friend that I met and talked to the other day. I'll call him Jack. He's not really Jack. He's one of my listeners, and you know who you are. And I was talking to you, and you are so miserable in your job, and you have a very, very long drive every day to a place, a job you really don't like. And I ask you, well, what do you really love to do? And you said, well, I love teaching in the evenings at the junior college. He just lit up when he told me how much he loves to teach and he'd love to figure out a way to do that. And I realized those are those stars. Those are those outside interests. If you look at that diagram, you think about it. If, if you're at a place where the things you love the most are completely outside of your job, it might just be time for you to move from your day job to your dream job. At one point in my career, I found that most of the things that fueled me were those things, those outside stars of interest. And I really didn't enjoy going back to the office. I loved it when I was out doing those things that I wasn't necessarily getting paid for, but they were the things I loved the most. Like, like writing books. You know, I started writing books because I loved to write and it really wasn't part of my day job. Um, uh, and I realized how much I loved it. I found that most of the things that fueled me were those outside stars of interest and stars of passion. Almost everything inside my day job either drained me or bored me. You see, sometimes it drains us. Sometimes it just bores us. I kept being drawn in my heart to those outside interests. And when your passion is gone, you really have two clear choices, right? Think about it. In a situation like that, you have two choices. Get your groove back or get out. The worst thing you can do is to continue to work and lead with a heart that's all dried up. You'll be miserable, but not as miserable as your followers. Make the leap. Another thing that Steve Jobs says that I just love, that he said, quote, and the most important, have the courage to follow your heart and intuition. They somehow already know what you truly want to become. A few weeks ago in a church just down the street from me, the elders called the pastor in for a meeting and dismissed him. No explanation other than, we don't think you're the person to take us where we want to go in the future. It was not really a blowout, but a slow leak. The leader had dried up and everyone knew he was no longer vibrant. 
He had lost his passion but kept going through the motions, hoping that no one would notice. No boy did they ever notice. You know, the sad thing is he was ambushed and he was dismissed instead of helped that night. Another pastor tossed on the heap of used-up Christian leaders. It really shouldn't be that way, but it often is. So if you're at that kind of a place, get your groove back. I'm going to give you some great tips on how to do that or get out. You might just be at this crossroads and you just have a choice to make. Whatever you do, make a choice. Do something. The worst mistake you can do is to do nothing. Time will not take care of it. I've watched many a leader crash and burn because of pure denial that he or she had a problem. And some of my closest friends have been fired like that pastor in an ambush from which it takes years to recover. You talk about bitterness and anger and grief. It's so hard to get over that kind of thing. I hope with all my heart that you never end up being tossed on that heap of used up leaders. My mentor in graduate school, Howard Hendricks, had some great classic quotes about your career and finding something you love. He said, your career is what you're paid to do, but your calling is what you're made to do. The other thing he said is, my fear is not that you will fail, but that you will succeed in doing the wrong thing. You know, when you've found your calling of what you're made to do and you get to do that and you actually get paid to do it, see, that's the sweet spot. That's when the two circles completely overlap. You've probably all heard the famous saying, have you climbed to the top of the ladder of success only to find out that it was leaning against the wrong wall? Well, the other day I was on uh, Jared Easley's podcast, Star of the Doubts. Shout out to you, Jared. I just love that show. And I made that statement. He said he'd never heard it. What? And I said, well, haven't you ever? What it means is you have found success, but not significance. You've climbed to the top of the ladder of success only to find it's leaning against the wrong wall and you're not happy happy, you're not fulfilled, you're not satisfied. By the world's standards, you look successful, but you're not happy. Perhaps you realize your ladder's leaning against the wrong wall, even if you haven't reached the top. You have nagging doubts about, are you really on the right track in your career, but you don't quite know what to do. You know something needs to change, but how and what am I going to do? That's what has you stumped. And you have obligations and you have a family. It's hard to step out by faith and begin all over again on a new ladder, especially from a comfortable, secure job, to pursue a passionate calling. Sometimes we have to be painfully pushed out to really find that great new place that's waiting for us. My friend Bethany recently quit her job working for an amazing online internet superstar. She was making great money, but she was not really happy helping someone else build their empire. A lot of people trade hours for dollars to make other people succeed at their dreams. So Bethany, not your real name, you're also one of your my listeners, but I don't really technically want to give out your real name, but Bethany decided she wanted to start her own business and took the leap. And she and I were laughing the other day. We were on a Google Hangout together with some other solopreneurs. That's people who are working solo as entrepreneurs. And she and I were saying, we're, we're both making about 20% of what we used to make, but we're, but we're 80% more fulfilled. And I told her, the money will follow where passion leads
I have another friend, one of my listeners, who's working at a vice president at a place of misery right now that's just driving him crazy. He's trying to find another job, but in the meantime, he's suffering under what I would consider really poor, passive, dysfunctional leadership. The owner, founder of his company has, has kind of run out of gas. He's in his mid-70s, and he's lost passion for the future of the company. He's all He's got all the money he needs, but he can't let go of the family business. He really should get out of the way, but he doesn't, so everyone suffers. This is a common, common problem in family businesses. It's also called the founder's trap. When the founder, who did an awesome job getting the, the company going and making it successful, can't at one point say, all right, I need to let this go now. Someone else needs to take my baby and run with it. It's almost, I think, founders feel like it's giving away their children for someone else to, to raise. It's a common problem and everybody suffers. The passivity at the top of this company is flowing down all the way through the rank and file. And the company is drifting and losing ground. It's definitely not growing with vibrancy. The thing is, this owner loves the company he founded one day, but today he's hurting it by maintaining a stranglehold on the management. He's worked so long and so hard to grow his baby, he just cannot let it grow up and leave his nest. So I, I talk about the seven deadly motives that I've observed for hanging on to a position when your passion is gone. I believe it's better to leave too soon than to stay too long. Why do people hang on? And uh, I have to say honestly, at times in my career, I've been guilty of all of these seven deadly motives for hanging on to a position longer than you should. They all start with P, power, prestige, position, popularity, pride, personal gain, and of course, drumroll, paycheck. Those are all the wrong reasons to hang on to a job of leadership when the passion is gone. My life is good baseball cap spoke to me and said, Hans, follow your heart. To me, it was really God's voice telling me that I should do it and that he would take care of me. And yes, I heard him loud and clear, but obedience, well, that was another matter and took me a long time to act. And I can understand those of you who perhaps are at that place, but you're struggling with the timing and the leap. Giving up the things on the list is not easy. Giving up security is not easy. It was obvious to me that I, I had so much to lose and something very vague to gain out there if I did quit. I became a professional fence Sitter. Can you relate to that? Again, I love what Stephen Jobs said. Your work's going to fill a large part of your life. And the only way to be truly satisfied is to do the work you believe is great work. And the only way to do great work is to love what you do. If you haven't found it yet, keep looking, don't settle. And I love that idea of keep looking. We're going to wrap up this podcast for today. I hope it's been inspirational for you, and I hope you'll hang on and listen to the upcoming editions where I'm going to continue this theme of the power of passion and leadership. And ultimately, if you're in a place where you don't have that passion zone and you don't have that place of passion, you do have two choices. One is to get your groove back, and I'm going to have a whole show dedicated to how to get your groove back. Or the other, you're going to have to leave and go do something else. And I also want to do a show just dedicated to what I call taking the great leap of faith. I did it. I finally got off the fence. I did it three years ago, and I could not tell you how happy. I, I, I just can't believe 
how I have found a place where I do what I love and I love what I do. And for you, my listeners, that's what I hope and that's what I want for you. Hey, if you have some questions related to what I've shared today, please write me. I'd love to hear if you've connected with what I'm sharing about. Go to hansfinzel.com and you can fill out the tab there and uh, go to my contact place and uh, just would just love to hear from you. Let me know if there's something that I can connect with you, answer some questions. You know, it's just, I would just love it. It would be just awesome. Secondly, I want to remind you that, um, I'm available for speaking opportunities. If you have a place in your group or your fellowship or your church or your organization, your business, and you're looking for a, an outside speaker to come in, I, uh, I'm looking for more opportunities. I love it. It's great. So go to my speaking page, hansfinzel.com, my services, my speaking page, and shoot me a note. Tell me what you got coming up, and, and let's just explore. It might just happen. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. This has been Hans Finzel. Thank you for listening to the Leadership Answer Man. Remember that leaders make great things happen. We can always take our leadership to the next level. I hope you keep listening and learning and that you go out there this week and make a difference with your leadership.